Excellent. Well, we're talking about our approach to God, okay? We started speaking about this last week, and it's turned into a little bit of a mini-series, okay? Because when I got home from church last week, I thought, God, you've not stopped saying, or you've not finished saying some things you want to say about this, because God wants us to have a vibrant, healthy, effective approach to Him and to His Word and to the throne of grace. And we're going to look at a few more things today. Last week we were looking at having a a correct approach to God. But we need to always have the balance that we're we're approaching a heavenly father who adores us. But we're also approaching the creator of the universe. Isn't that a wonderful thing to keep in balance? On one hand we approach him saying, Abba, Father, Daddy God, my true Daddy. My true daddy. And on the other half, we're approaching him going, creator of the universe, the one who speaks and things are formed, the one who brings things from the unseen to the seen. And we were speaking about a correct etiquette, the etiquette of honor and reverence when we approach him, and how we were encouraged last week by Psalm 100, where so many great statements, but we zoomed in on the one that said, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And apparently I nearly knocked my daughter out with a golf club. Um, I don't know, did anyone else think that was going to happen? I I was wondering, because I was hitting the golf club with a very good drive actually, and I was thinking, there's no ball, what are they worried about? And people said afterwards, we were worried about your daughter's head. Your backswing was, was very close to her head. And the reason, if you weren't here, we used a golf club was to say that thanksgiving and praise is the back drive or the backswing to a successful now moment with God and where you're believing for him to take you next. And we looked at how Israel used to have a stone called the Ebenezer stone that was a stone of remembrance that they always came remembering what he'd already done. Our prayers are empowered when we come with a backswing. I don't know why I'm doing that with my leg. I haven't even got a a club in my hands. But, you know, we have a backswing of thanksgiving and praise. Did any of you put that into practice this week? I did. I thought, I better begin to do some of this stuff I'm preaching, right? So when I came to the Lord today, I didn't come in and go, all right, this is what I need. This is what I said. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness over many years. I thank you that you were faithful when I was unfaithful. I thank you when when I walked away from you, you never walked away from me. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done in my mum and dad. I'm thankful for what you've done in And before long, I was like, wow, I've been like here for a long time, just thanking God. I kind of think that's how we're meant to approach him. And at the end, oh yeah, Lord, there's a couple of things. This too, Lord. And so we looked at how thanksgiving and praise is the backswing to what we do. But we always remember that our approach to God is based on Jesus and his righteousness. That our approach to God, no matter what subject or how we look at our approach, let's never forget that the key pin is always Jesus. Do you know that the the enemy of our soul longs to remove Jesus from the equation of Christianity? Because if you remove Jesus, you've got nothing. Isn't it interesting that you never hear of a spirit of anti-God? It's always the spirit of anti-Christ. Why? Because Christ is the reason we're saved. No other name. No other person. Christ is the reason we can come before the Lord knowing that we're accepted and that we stand before him perfected by what God's done. We referred last week to the story of Esther. 
and Esther was married to a king, but she had an approach to the king. And when she came into his presence, it says that he would extend a golden scepter. Even though that was his wife, he would extend a golden scepter. And the golden scepter said, you are fine, you, you, you belong here, I want you here, ask me what you would ask. When we approach the Lord, we need to see Jesus as the golden scepter extended to each and every one of us. But when God says to us, come, he come, we come because Jesus has been extended to us. That his righteousness is now our righteousness. His holiness is now our holiness. Everything that was needed to take us from separated sinner to wanted son and daughter has been accomplished by one person, Jesus Christ. Today I want to talk about having boldness in our approach. Now we can approach God timidly, but God says I don't want you to approach me timidly. I want you to approach me, the Bible says this, not me, boldly, with boldness. Isn't that wonderful? But God wants us to approach him boldness, having boldness in our approach. Now that kind of violates all this kind of false humility that we sometimes choose to operate in where, oh God, I don't, I'm a worm. No, God doesn't want any of that junk. He sees you through the scepter of the righteousness of Christ. You're not who you used to be. He sees you as the new creation. And he wants you to walk into his presence whenever you're praying, spending time with the Lord, not with false humility or a fear of dying, but with boldness in our hearts. Now, boldness not coming from anything we've done or rooted in anything that we've done or could ever do. But again, it's represented in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So my boldness before God is the product of what Christ has done for me. Your boldness before the Father is not the product of your works, you keeping the law. It's you believing in Jesus. Now, it's about understanding Jesus in his role now, this is going to be a huge subject that we're going to knock out in about 20 minutes, so stay with me, all right? It's understanding Jesus as our high priest, okay? Now, I'm not going to try and do justice to the comparison of the high priest of the Old Testament and the new covenant high priest, which is Jesus. That would take weeks. We're going to look at some highlights to make a point, if that's okay. So if you're theologically judging me, I want to pre-warn you, this is going to be a bad experience, Okay? But if you're after the nugget that I'm trying to share, I think you could get blessed. You see, we know Jesus as many things, don't we? Jesus, oh, the, the, the names just keep on going. Jesus is my saviour. He saved me. He's my redeemer. He's redeemed me. The Bible reveals that he was my sacrifice. He was my substitute. The Bible says that he's my mediator and the advocate between me and the Father right now in the moment I'm in. But also the Bible reveals Jesus among many names as our high priest. Now, we don't really think too much of high priest stuff unless you were raised in a Catholic way of understanding. To us, it's kind of the pastor, the vicar. But to people that have been in high church or Catholic church, they understand a priest and a high priest and the role of a priest in the denomination. But for us who kind of, most of us got born again just as we were needing God, he stepped in and we're just trying to understand the role of church leadership. So I want to speak that you have a high priest that's the same high priest as me. Isn't that incredible? Now, we don't believe you need to go and sit in a box and tell someone everything you ever did wrong. We don't believe in that. We believe that we have a high priest 
who's the high priest of each and every one of us. Not that we shouldn't confess failings to each other. There's a healing in that. When you've got a brother or a sister that you're walking around and you feel comfortable enough to go, hey, can I tell you something that you could pray with me? But we need to understand that doesn't replace a high priest that we now have in our life called Jesus Christ. And it's because he's our high priest that we have boldness in our approach to God. Not when we're a group, a party booking like today, but also when we individually approach him. So if you turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews, we're going to stay in Hebrews. I want to encourage you. The book of Hebrews, if you want to understand the purpose of the bloodshed, Jesus, our high priest, and so much more, Hebrews is an incredible book to study. And we're going to be this week and next week around Hebrews 4 and 5 and Hebrews 10, all right, just to pre-warn you. But listen to what the Bible says of our high priest, a high priest, and the role of a high priest. Ready? Hebrews 4, verses 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everybody understand the simplicity of that? There's nothing God doesn't know. Now, I can remember before I knew better, I used to think that God was on on what we used to call in the old days, I'm going to age some of you now, immersion heater God. And that meant we used to turn our hot water on when we wanted it and turn it off when we didn't. It was a switch. That's how I used to treat God. I honestly believed in my deceptive heart or my deceived heart that I could turn God on when I wanted him to see nice me, and I could turn him off when I didn't want him to see naughty me. God sees all. And this is what this reveals to us, but it leads us into something very hopeful. Nothing in all, um, sorry, I've lost my place. Um, Hebrews 4, verse 13. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we all give an account. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens. He's not just a high priest on the earth. He's gone through the heavens. It says, since we have this great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin." Let us then approach the throne of grace, the throne of God, with boldness so that we may have, some Bibles say confidence, but the word is boldness, so that we may receive the mercy and the grace that we need in a time of help. So the Bible introduces us here to Jesus in his role and his position of the high priest of those who have placed their faith in him. A couple of nugget truths we want to pull out. Number one, nothing's hidden. Number two, this is where it introduces to us that we don't need an earthly high priest. We may need earthly priests, leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles. But when it comes to a high priest, as in King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Priest of Priests, that role belongs to Jesus Christ, okay? Now, because of him, we have a boldness, but we also understand, I love what it teaches there, just like the earthly high priest of the Old Testament, our high priest understands our weaknesses, our failings, our temptations. Why? Because he left heaven to understand our now. You see, God didn't not have the answers, he didn't understand the questions. 
So Jesus stepped down out of heaven to find out what the questions of humanity was. He exposed himself without sinning to temptation, to everything that we can know. So that when we approach our high priest, he's not unaware or uncaring. He doesn't, he doesn't validate stuff that's wrong, but he knows what we're talking about. Isn't that awesome? That when we approach God, he's not a million miles away. He understands the life that we live. Now, the word boldness here, it's a Greek word, and it's pronounced a parousia, parousia. It's a Greek word, and it means full assurance, confidence, frankness, and bluntness, and in a positive sense, outspokenness. So the word that's used there for the word boldness says that we can now, we can now have a boldness, a confidence, an assurance, a frankness, and a bluntness, and even... Um, an outspokenness when we approach God without fear that he's going to judge us wrongly, kill us on the spot. Now, to understand the role of the high priest, you have to look back in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. And again, if you're new to the faith, if you're new to Christianity, you're like, high priest, what's that about? Hey, stick around next week. Next week, I'm talking about blood. It gets weirder. But we're going to make sense of it so that we can understand the power in who Christ is as a high priest and the blood that he shed. And may I say, the blood has never lost its power. Never lost its power. Still reaches to the highest place, the lowest place. It still saves to the uttermost. Amen. That's next week. Just a teaser to get you back. Now, we understand that the Old Testament is very much types and shadows of things that would come in and through Christ. So you have the Old Covenant, you have the New Covenant. Jesus replaced the Old Covenant that was based on the law and people's performance to keep the law. He replaced that with grace based on what he has done for us and we have entered into by believing and trusting in him. But when you flick back to the Old Covenant, you shouldn't live in the Old Covenant because it's not your covenant. We live in the New Covenant. Sometimes Christians get themselves all messed up in their head because they've got one foot in the Old Covenant, one foot in the New Covenant. They're trying to please God by what they're doing, also exceed, uh, receive his grace that's not based on what they do. You're going to blow yourself up. We're not in the Old Testament. We refer to it to reveal that which was coming to us in Christ. We're not Old Covenant people. Covenant means agreement. We're New Covenant people saved by Jesus, the blood of Jesus has set us free. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, I know I'm skimming something quite deep here, but just stay with me so I can make my point. In the Old Testament, you had an Old Testament high priest. Above all priests, there was a high priest. Great study. Gina studied this stuff. Brilliant in her Bible studies and shared it when we were doing Bible study online. And uh, the high priest, he had, a, he had a day where he had to, again, this is, this is real Quick, quick analogy. He had a day where he had to appear before God. He had to come through a whole process of stuff, an outer court, an inner court. There was stuff that had to be washed. There was blood that had to be shed by animals. There were fires. There was aromas. He didn't just, the Old Testament priest in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, didn't just kind of rock up, stroll in, pull back the curtain and go, hey God, how you doing? I'm here to represent the people. He would die if he did that. There was a very strict approach. Why? Because a holy God was behind the curtain. 
and an unholy people were the other side of the curtain. So there were certain things that the high priest selected, never self-appointed, who was uh, representing the people in that moment had to do. And when you read the Bible, if he got it wrong, he would come into the presence of God beyond um, the outer court, the inner court, into the Holy of Holies. And if he'd got it wrong, he would die on the spot. He used to have bells on the end of his clothes. And if they stopped ringing, they were like, we need another high priest. And they'd drag him out. This is all in the Old Testament for you to read. It's an amazing study. Especially when it sees how freely we can approach without doing any of those things now. So it was a position that was selected, a person was selected, and he represented the people, not just his own life. He had to make payment and do sacrifice for his own sin, as well as the sin of the people. There was a process, a procedure, based on his appearance, the things he did. Again, I'm not even going to try and dig into that. It's going to be weeks otherwise. And it was an ongoing role because of the humanity of the priest. Why? Because no sooner had he gone in and represented the people's sin, they'd sinned again, and he'd sinned again, and God needed him to do it. It was like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, start again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, start again. One, two, three. It was never completed because no blood of animals could take away, only cover for a moment, could never take away the sin of the people that repaired the damage of the sin that separated men and women from God, all right? But remember, the law was only a shadow. The Old Testament was only a shadow. It wasn't the final product. It was revealing to us, New Covenant, New Testament believers, a better day was coming. And the good news is, 2,000 years ago, that day came. And we don't have to follow an Old Testament priest anymore we follow Jesus Christ. Now, it was a precise approach, and if they got wrong, they ended up dead. For another glimpse of this, let's keep reading in chapter 5 of Hebrews. Now, I'm going from the end of chapter 4 into the beginning of chapter 5. Another rocket science moment. The chapters weren't there when it was written. All right, so often we think they must have thought, I'm done, let me start chapter 5. No, no, it was one long letter that men added the divisions and the chapters too later to try and make it readable to us. So the conversation is still carrying on about Jesus being our high priest. And then we get this glimpse into the role of a high priest and again a reference to Jesus. It says, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters relating to God. That's the job of a high priest. To offer gifts and sacrifices for the sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as the sins of the people. All right, everybody still with me? As well as the sins of the people. No one takes his honor upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. So Christ, now it brings Jesus, the high priest, into the conversation. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God positioned him and said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest, high priest, forever 
in the order of Melchizedek. Again, Melchizedek, whole nother teaching. Let's park that there. Basically, what God was saying was, you're not a priest annually, you're a priest eternally. No one's going to replace you. This is your job forevermore. So Jesus became the high priest forevermore. Now stick with me, it'll all come together with you in a moment, all right? Now Jesus was selected by God to be the high priest of our life. But he was also the sacrifice, and it was also his blood that he presented before the Father that gave us boldness and confidence in our approach to God. We're going to look a little bit more at the blood of Jesus next week. Now Jesus, the Bible says, was our high priest and is our high priest. And we've read about the high priests in the Old Testament, we've referenced them, but I need to say that Jesus was like them, but he wasn't. Jesus fulfilled the role of a high priest, yet he was very different to a human high priest that served for a year. Now, let's just skip down now to Hebrews 10 to just uh, get some understanding on this. Hebrews 10. We all good? Not going to be much longer, but I want you to catch this. Listen to what it says in verse 11 now of Hebrews 10. All right? Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. It's speaking of the Old Testament priest, the Old Covenant priest. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away his sins or the sins of the people. Who is he referring to in the book of Hebrews? Not Jesus, the Old Testament priest in the Old Covenant. Anybody want some great news? But when this high priest, Jesus, has had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits now for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has, not will, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Do you know that you've already been perfected? And you did nothing except in the high, believe in the high priest that came before the Father representing you. Jesus stood before the Father as you, so that you could stand before the Father as him. He appeared before the Father with his own blood, sacrificing his life for the sins of the people. All right. Old Testament priest never sat down. Tired legs. Never sat down. Why his job was never done. He had to keep sacrificing the blood of animals to cover, not remove, the sins of the people. And no sooner as he'd covered it, they'd sinned again. More blood, more dead animals. He never sat down. Why? His job was never done. Yet Hebrews revealed to us that after Jesus had presented his sacrifice to the Father as our high priest, the very next thing it says is, he sat down. There's two conclusions that we can take from this. Either he was tired and lazy, which is really not an acceptable conclusion when you're talking about the Son of God. So the only other conclusion 
is he sat down because everything he needed to do had been completed and everything that needed to be finished to make the people who were unperfect, perfect, unholy, holy, unrighteous, righteous. Everything that was needed to remove the veil that separated a holy God from an unholy people was completely done by him as our high priest, bringing his blood before the Father. That's why the words of Christ on the cross are so profound. It is finished. Time's gone. We'll carry this on next week. I want to talk next week about how our high priest comes before the Father. If that isn't good enough, comes before the Father with his own blood. And it's the blood shed for us that gives us the confidence to come freely to him. But I want to underline what we've been saying here today. God wants us to approach him with boldness. God wants us to approach him with confidence, with reverence, with honor, with a fear that takes us towards him, not a fear that makes us hide from him. But we need to understand what's been completed for us by the high priest, Jesus, who represented us and still represents us today. Do you know that between us and the Father today, the Bible says we have an advocate that constantly says, look at the holes in my hand, Father. Remember what I did for them. Jesus is also our advocate and intercessor. But when the Father sees things happening in our life, Jesus says, remember my blood. Remember the wounds in these hands. And everything that was done in the shedding of the blood and the wounding of the body of Christ, perfected forever those who are being made holy. And that's you and me. Why wouldn't we worship him? Why wouldn't we get excited? Well, one of the reasons people don't worship Jesus is they don't realize he's their high priest and they don't realize what he's done for them. Because if you understand what it would have been like living in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, having an earthly priest that couldn't even keep himself clean, and the fragile nature of an approach to God. Man, we've got stuff that I don't think we value. But the Bible says now, let me go back to Hebrews 4. We can come boldly. Isn't that awesome? God in heaven, holy God, Father or creator of the universe says we can come boldly. Not arrogantly, boldly like we belong. Into his presence any time we want because the scepter of Christ is constantly extended. And then the Lord says, and when you come through thanksgiving and praise, ask me what you need, what grace and mercy you need in your time of need. And I will grant it to you. Not just because of you, but because of the high priest that's sitting right there in heaven with me. Called Jesus Christ. Son of God. King of kings. Lord of lords. Great I am. Elohim. High priest 
of high priests. God is for you. He's not against you. He made the way for us to be able to walk in such intimacy with him. All we do is respond to everything that Jesus has done and live in the good of what he's provided for us. Could we just close our eyes for a moment? Hey, that was a miracle. It's only just gone 12. There's no shortage of God today. Driving here, I went past petrol garages and they said, we got nothing left for you. A couple of years ago, remember, there were signs in shops, we have no toilet roll. We don't know what to say to you. Listen, I stand here as a follower of Jesus Christ saying God's not shut and he has everything you need. Drink all day and you'll never run him dry. Shop all day and his shelves will still be filled. But if you don't know him, what good is that to you? Now I know looking around as people here today, and I know so many of you, you do know him. Your relationship like mine with him is growing. We don't know him as we could, but we know him better than what we did. But what about if there's someone here today and you don't know him? You've encountered religion and high priests hiding in wooden boxes. You've seen all of that. You've been to weddings and uh, baby dedications and christenings. And, but you don't know him. Jesus wants you to know him as your high priest, your representative before the Father. The greatest friend you could ever know. The closest brother you could ever dream. But he'll never make you pick him. He'll never force you to choose him. Can we just pray this prayer together as we close today? Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've already done for me. When I think about what you've already done, how could I ask even another thing? But you invite me to to cast all my cares every day upon you because you never run dry thank you for dying on the cross for me for taking my place I receive your Holy Spirit and I receive your free salvation by placing my faith in you as my saviour. Forgive my sins. I turn from the way I lived now to live your way. Thank you for a new beginning. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer or you've been away from God, and today you say, I just need to, I prayed that prayer for me today, Andy. I want you to do one last thing for me. and We're going to release the meeting then, go and have coffee, get our kids, do all that stuff called life that's waiting for us. But in this moment, this 
moment. I want to know if there's someone that prayed that prayer and you know that you need to make a response today to say that you did so that your new tomorrow can start right now. So I'm going to count to three and when I do, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. Every eye's closed, every head's bowed. This is between you and God right now. I'm going to ask you when I say three to lift your hand if that's you. I'm not going to make you come forward. I'm not here to embarrass you or anything. Just give you opportunity to respond. So here we go. One, two, three. Is there anyone that wants to receive Jesus this morning? God bless you. I see that hand. That's so precious. Thank you for that. Thank you for your honesty and your courage this morning. Is, is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? And you say, me too, Andy. I want, to, I want to give my life to Jesus. Father, I thank you today that this lady's life will never be the same again. That everything will begin to change. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're visiting and you're saying, I'm not quite ready, I want to encourage you, please keep coming back. Keep reading the Bible. Because when you make that decision, it's got to be forever. Amen. Praise God. Rejoicing with this young lady that's received Christ. And rejoicing for each and every one of you that have a high priest in common with me. And his name is? God bless.